I'm Vanessa Pritchard. Welcome to this podcast from Keep Believing Ministries. Today's message was given by Dr. Ray Pritchard. At Keep Believing Ministries, we want to encourage and equip people to keep believing in Jesus. You can find us online at www.keepbelieving.com. Stay tuned for this special podcast. Acts chapter 5. So we begin to read. One of the most shocking stories in all the New Testament. The story of Ananias and Sapphira. Verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold? Did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words in the middle of the church service, when he heard those words, he fell down, collapsed, died, breathed his last. A dead man in the church service. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. The young men rose, wrapped him up, and carried him out and buried him. And after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. She had been shopping on Amazon. And her mind just sort of got away from her. And she wasn't, you know, she was getting those gifts and all of that. And Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you've agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet, breathed her last, dead just like that. When the young men came in, they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. A little end of the story is in verse 11. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. This is a story in two parts. Part one is the story of a man named Ananias. We really don't know anything about Ananias or Sapphira other than what's in this text. But we can assume from reading this story that this man and this woman were part of the early community of believers in Jerusalem. That is to say, they were foundational members. They were charter members of the first Christian congregation in the history of the world. As far as we can tell from reading this story, they were not just members of the congregation, but they were members in good standing. They knew everybody, and everybody knew them. They came every Sunday, and they, they met when the people met in their homes to break bread, and they came to the prayer meeting, and they, they went out and did evangelism. What I'm saying is, this story makes no sense unless we assume that Ananias and Sapphira are not 
peripheral members of the congregation, but they are, they are insiders. They are part of the core group of this first church in Jerusalem. It's the Lord's Day. It's Sunday. The congregation has gathered for worship. And we really don't know where that would have been in Jerusalem. Could it have been in the upper room? Possibly. I think by this time the church had grown large enough that different congregations met in different places around the city. We're told at the end of Acts chapter 4, the verses before what I just read, we're told this, that the believers were together with great joy. And they had all things in common. All things in common. They shared everything together. And whenever there was a need, people would come. And for the offering in that day, the, the apostles would, I, I suppose, sit in chairs, which would be according to the Jewish custom. And they would sit in the chairs and the people would come. And when it says they laid the money at the apostles' feet, that's literally what happened in the earliest church. They, the apostles were here and you would come. Whatever your offering was, you would literally lay it at the feet of the apostles so that everybody could see what you had given. So upon this day, this Sunday morning in Jerusalem, Ananias comes. And I imagine to myself that as he comes in, he greets everybody. I imagine that he goes to the back and has coffee and donuts. And I imagine they, they talk about the football game from yesterday and what they did over Thanksgiving and what their plans are for Christmas. Just the kind of stuff we do when we get together. What I'm saying is, he came that Sunday... He listened to the music. He prayed the prayers. He went through everything. And thinking nothing about it, little did he know. He had no idea what was about to happen. He was just a church member doing what he thought a church member should do. So, when the time of the offering came, as I've said, they didn't pass the plates. They called the people forward. Now, that's kind of a terrifying thing. I've only a couple of times in my life been to a church where they call people forward. Some years ago, we were in Josh, Nigeria, the Bashara number three, which means good news. The good news number three, house of church in Josh, Nigeria, and they were having a building campaign, and I was the guest speaker, and they were up singing in Africa when they sing. They really, really, really sing. Some of you know that. You've been there. Everybody really gets into it, and they just called the people up and this group came dancing up the aisle and the next group came dancing up the aisle and they had a big tub in the front and they just would come dancing and that's not, not any exaggeration dancing and singing and clapping and dropping their money in the tub and finally the time came for the leaders and they motioned to me so I went dancing up the aisle with everybody else as, uh, as uh, lame as that was and threw my money in and in fact I guess they didn't get enough the first time around because the pastor got up and said something and we did the whole thing all over again. We, we took two offerings. Well, something like that was happening in Jerusalem. A very public way of giving so that everybody saw everybody come forward and everybody knew what other people had done. Here's the lie. Evidently, Ananias and Sapphira had some property. I'm just going to use a, a little illustration. We're just going to pull numbers out of the air. They had some property and they sold it. Let's say the property was worth $10,000. Okay? They sold the property. They got the ten grand. And Ananias said to Sapphira, Honey, we're a little short on cash right now. Why don't we just give 2000 to the church and keep the last 8000 for ourselves? And she said, You're right. We've got a lot of bills. And I can't keep up. So let's just do that. So when the time came for the offering, Ananias came forward. Remember, he's by himself. He takes the $2,000. He puts it in the he puts it down there at the apostles' feet. And by doing that, what he was saying was, This 
is the full amount. This is the full amount of what we sold the land for. Peter, having been warned by the Holy Spirit, Peter says three things to Ananias. He says, number one, you have lied to us, meaning to the whole congregation. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. Number two, you plan to deceive us. You didn't just sit in the chair and do it by mistake. You intended to deceive us. And number three, you will now answer to God. Just like that. He drops over dead. He has a heart attack. He strokes out. Something happens. He is standing there. And suddenly, by the time he hits the floor, he is dead. Stone cold dead. A corpse in the church service. The young guys, they're strong. The young guys come forward. They wrap him up in the burial shroud right there in front of the congregation. They pick up his dead body. They drag it out of church. They take it to the burial ground. And right then and there, they bury him. I stop and say something. Before that happened, anybody who had looked at Ananias would have said, he's one of the best men this church has. There's a good man. That Ananias, he's a godly man. That Ananias, he's a man of prayer. That Ananias, he is a survivor. They are like model people of our church. What I'm saying is, he could have been a Sunday school teacher. He could have been a deacon. He could have been an elder. No one had any idea of the deceit in his heart. He himself had no clue when he got up to go to church what was about to happen. He came to church. Through his actions, he told a lie. He was cut down by God. Before he died, Johnny Cash, the man in black, one of his last songs, you can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, God will cut you down. Sooner or later, God will cut you down. That's exactly what happened to Ananias. Part 2, Sapphira. Three hours have passed. And and we don't really know. We we know that everybody was shocked. Where was Sapphira? How come she didn't come with her husband first time? We don't know the answer to that. What was she doing? Why didn't somebody tell her? These are things that the Bible doesn't really answer. They're they're shocked and awe. If the service started at, say, 8 o'clock in the morning, which wouldn't have been unusual in that day, that, that... People are still hanging around. I mean, nobody knows what to say. A man like Ananias has dropped dead in the worship service. Somehow, word has not spread. And in comes Sapphira. You know what her name means? Beautiful. It's like like Sapphire. Beautiful. She She was a beautiful, attractive woman. She walks in. She greets people. She says hello. She walks to the front of the church. She's about to meet Peter. And suddenly, suddenly it hits the whole congregation. She doesn't know. She hasn't heard the word. And in this story, she doesn't say anything. Peter confronts Sapphira before she can open her mouth. He asks her a question. Did you sell the land for such and such amount? Yes. Peter said, Peter said, You agreed together with your husband to lie to us and to the Holy Spirit. The feet of those who dragged your husband's 
corpse out will now drag you out also. The judgment was sure and swift. She dropped over dead. The same young men, double duty now, get the body, wrap it up, drag her out, and bury her next to her husband. The end of the story is this. We are told in verse 11, there was great fear in the church. Well, I guess so. Number two, there was great fear outside the church, meaning in the community, among unbelievers. Everybody who heard was scared to death. That Sunday had dawned, bright and clear and hopeful. It is not yet sundown, and there are two fresh graves in the churchyard. That's the story. It's simple enough. It's chilling, macabre, frightening. No Halloween tale can match this true account. If death scares us, then the story of Ananias and Sapphira stops us cold. We only have really one question. One question. Why did they die? Why did they die? Why did they die when they did, and where they did, and the way they did? And why were they the only two people who died that day? It's easier to answer the basic question in the negative. First, they did not die simply because they told a lie. It's true the Bible says thou shalt not bear false witness. It's true to tell a lie is, is a sin against God. But listen to me. If God started killing everybody who came to church who's told a lie this week, none of us would get out of this place alive. If God starts doing that, if He starts killing all the liars, none of us, this church is going to be empty before the end of the day. So whatever else we can say, they did tell a lie, but they did not die simply because they lied. Second, they did not die because they held that part of the money. Because remember what Peter said. Peter said, look, before you sold the land, it was yours to do. You could do any. You didn't even have to sell it. It was completely in your control. And after you sold the money, you could do anything you want with the money. So the sin was not that the sin was not that they sold it for ten thousand and only gave two thousand. That's not the sin. The crisis here is they sold it for this much. They only gave this much, but they pretended. It was all of it. And for that, God struck them down. It's still a problem. If God starts killing people for saying things we don't really mean, if God starts killing people in church for pretending a commitment that's beyond what we really have, again, none of us are going to get out of here alive, right? Because we, we all talk, everybody talks a better game than they live. Everybody does. It's part of the human condition. So we still have the question hanging out there. Lord, okay, we see what they did, but why did you whack them down? Why did you cut them down? Just like that. They gave the impression of full commitment. They tried to fool the church. They tried to fool God. They dropped dead in their traps for it. So here's something for all of us to ponder. It's not for you to ponder, it's just much more for me to ponder. The sin of hypocrisy is tricky. Because where does it always begin? On the inside. You're always a hypocrite on the inside before anything ever shows up on the outside. That's what makes it so dangerous. It's not always easy to spot. 
So, as I've told you this kind of thing before, whenever I preach on this, this, these kind of stories, this is not a warning. Look, this is not a warning for drug dealers. This is not a warning for abortionists. This is not a warning for the ISIS terrorists, right? God's got different things to say to different people. This is not a warning for people outside the church who never come. This is clearly a warning for us. This is a warning for church people. It's a warning for Sunday school people. It's a, the more religious you are, the more likely you are to do exactly what Ananias and Sapphira did. So I think about me. I think about my travel and preaching. I do this different thing. But oh my, when I look in the mirror, I understand the spirit of Ananias and Sapphira is never that far away. It's never that far away from any of us, no matter how faithful we may be. So again, one final time, why did they die? Why, why this two, this couple, why these two, why did they die? Why did they die then? Why did they die there? Why did they die in that way? I mean, God could have killed them anywhere, right? Why did He wait until a church service? It's a warning from heaven. A warning from from heaven, which is why the text says at the end, fear spread everywhere, everywhere. Two people die, hundreds get scared. I remember talking to a man who had taught elementary school for many, many, many years, the end of his career. This was back in the day when you could actually spike a child in, in school. And he said, he said, we didn't do it too often. But he said, I did discover this. You spank one kid, 300 others sit up straight. <laughs> but something like that is going on here in this story. Two people go down, so and they deserve to go down. They are hypocrites and liars. But God took them down as a message to the church. Now, wait a minute. I didn't read these verses, so let me tell you, when we're done, you go back and read them yourself. Notice what happens after this double death in church. According to verse 13, we're told, no one wanted to join the Christians even though they were highly regarded. Don't go to that church. They're dropping like flies over there. But then, look at verse 14. It says, many men and women believed and were added to their number. So the fear caused some people to stay away and attracted others. And those others came in and they got saved. Sudden death. Led to a revival. What should we learn from this? Above everything else, learn from this story what God values. What God values. Three things. He values unity. He values honesty. He values purity. Unity, honesty, and purity. He will bless anyone who has it. He will judge anyone inside the church who works against unity, who speaks dishonestly, who lives without moral purity. This lesson is a lesson in what matters to our Heavenly Father. Unity, honesty, purity. The great British Bible teacher, G. Campbell Morgan, said it this way, The church pure is the church powerful. It has always been so. Mathematics have no place in the economy of God. Numbers are nothing. Quality is everything. 
That's what really matters to God. We pray often for revival. But uh, sometimes what our churches need is a backdoor revival. You know what a backdoor revival is? Front door revival is when you add some people in who need to be there. Backdoor revival is when you lose some people out the back door who shouldn't be there in the first place. Before there can be divine addition, there must be divine subtraction. Some people needed to be removed from the church in Jerusalem. They appeared to be the consummate insiders. Strange as it may seem, in the plan of God, the death of Ananias and Sapphira was a severe mercy from God. Let me tell you what happened as a result. Just bringing all this to a close now. What did their death accomplish? It exposed hypocrisy. It revealed dishonesty. It upheld God's holiness. It purified the body. It strengthened the church. It caused people to fear the Lord. It increased respect in the community. And it led to more people being saved. So, God will be praised in the death of hypocritical church members. What seems like a harsh judgment turns out to be a surprising grace. So, so here are two lessons for us to ponder. Number one, you can't fool God, so don't even try. Number two, God's discipline, though painful, yields gracious fruit. We can say it another way. Don't be like Ananias and Sapphira. Don't be like them. And second, give God time to make His purposes clear. What seemed to be a disaster for the church in Jerusalem became a channel for much greater blessing. Sudden death led to fear that led to new respect that led to new interest in the gospel that led to multitudes being saved. Those fresh graves in the churchyard were the seeds of a harvest yet to come. What a God we serve. He judges and He blesses. If we do not lose heart, if we faithfully serve Him, we will see His goodness overflowing to us. Let God be God and all will be well. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that this story is in the Bible. It brings us up short and maybe it shakes us up and bothers us a little bit. We all probably need to look in the mirror. I most of all, search our hearts, Lord. Remove even the smallest traces of hypocrisy, dishonesty, impurity, disunity. Lord, clear us out and clean us up so we can be used and useful to You for Your good, for the glory of God, for the blessing of the church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. Come see us on the internet at www.keepbelieving.com. We'd love to hear from you this week. Join us for the next podcast from Keep Believing Ministries.